Hello and welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor. I really hoped you enjoyed the launch of Series 9 and are equally excited for this week's episode. Before we get into today's bite-sized mentorship, I would love to hear how you're finding 40 Minute Mentor and for any feedback you have on how we can make the podcast even more enjoyable. So if you have any thoughts, please leave us a review on ratethispodcast.com forward slash 40mm or email us at info at jbmc.co.uk. Also, if you're looking for a way to boost your employer brand and speak directly to the next generation of unicorn founders and the best C-suite leaders and operators in the tech space, get in touch with our head of marketing and 40 Minute Mental producer, Hannah Urbanek on hannah at jbmc.co.uk to discuss JBM and 40-minute mental partnerships. Now on to some mentorship. This Saturday was International Day of Women and Girls in Science. As a headhunter working in a work-in-progress industry when it comes to DE&I and a father of a seven-year-old daughter, representation across industries has always been a topic very close to my heart. We also work incredibly hard at JBM to make sure we're doing our part when it comes to DE&I, be that through diversing place candidates into startups, scale-ups and VCs, or making sure we're sharing unique and diverse stories on 40-Minute Mentor. I've had the incredible privilege of interviewing some real trailblazers in tech over the years, so I thought I'd share some of my favourite moments from speaking to Dr. Anne-Marie Imaphidon, the co-founder and CEO of Stemet, and Amali de Alwis, the former CEO of Code First Girls. I think, you know, as much as tech has its own history with this as an issue, right, and we can talk to... You know, I, I had the pleasure of being on a, a radio show once with Dame Stephanie Shirley. And uh, she was talking about how she worked at the post office when the transition sort of happened as far as computing moving from actually a female-led industry. And, you know, the early programmers were women. They were punching punch cards. You know, Dame Stephanie Shirley, she had a company where there were literally women with kids punching on their kitchen tables type of thing. But as soon as money started getting into it, for example, the post office actually changed their job bands, their classifications, so that less women could be doing those jobs and the more profitable roles could be held by men. So there has been some active and targeted sort of social engineering around the tech industry to push women out of the industry. And, you know, that plus, you know, early advertising of home computers, which was largely focused on young boys and all of these types of things. But all of that is is a result of just society as a whole, right? When we're not just talking about the tech industry, we're talking about how we as society see our women, right? And how we see the role that women play in society. Um, you know, we are fortunate in the UK to have, you know, from a from a, a job perspective, you know, about 50% of the workforce are women, but we still have a gender pay gap, right? We still have more women who are doing more, less paid roles, junior roles, not holding senior positions. So this is kind of just part of a much larger conversation. And thankfully, you know, we have had change. It is not enough, but change is happening. But it is, you know, societal change, which is kind of driving a lot of this and societal challenges and talking to those young girls, what they're told, you know, are young girls encouraged by their families to be, you know, engineers, to be doctors, to be physicists, to be, you know, astronauts, to follow um, sort of, you know, sciences and, and technology subjects. And the reality is they still aren't. And I think it was uh, the Women in Engineering Society maybe a few years ago who did a study actually looking at the types of jobs that 
parents would consider suitable for their girls and boys. And inevitably for the girls, it's things like, you know, being nurses, being teachers still to these days, boys being engineers or footballers or, you know, scientists and stuff. So this is why we, we still have low numbers, both because of the systemic issues as far as the technology sector, but also just societal issues as a whole. But thankfully, you know, change is possible. So the biggest barrier is the industry itself. I mean, <laughs> how long do we have? I mean, it's the way we hire, <laughs> the way we make decisions, the assumptions we have in what it means to be technical, but then go into, you know, the management experience. I mean, I, I once read an article that said kind of the glass ceiling is made up of bad managers. And it's so funny because every now and then I see other people, they don't reference it necessarily, but they get that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, this whole time it's just been... You know, your experience with your manager is pretty much the biggest key to whether you stay or whether you go. And also whether that person, you know, whether you get promoted and end up in the leadership position, which is another place that you can get influence versus whether you see others get promoted and then you get frustrated and then you go. So I think, you know, the, the biggest barrier is the industry itself and the way that we kind of just make assumptions about the shape of a technical person. It's like, can you make an assumption about someone who speaks English? No. So why why do we do that with someone who speaks the, the technical language if we want to kind of take that analogy? So I think I think that's the biggest problem. It's our processes, it's our practices, it's our norms, it's our assumptions, it's the culture we have that values the kind of brilliant genius, brilliant lone genius. And what I've ended up what we end up kind of calling kind of the brilliant jerks over the fact that technology now is not just for technologists. Like you know, I studied computer science. We were in the lab. We were tinkering. We were playing. We were making robotic this, that, and the other for making its sake. And now it's no longer just about us and tinkering and playing. Like This has big economic, big social, big political, big ethical. There, there are those implications for anything you create as a technologist in the 21st century. It's just that, you know, if you don't like that, you should go back and you should have been there at the beginning when it didn't matter, right? When no one was using these things. And if you take that seriously, then it has to be of, of utmost importance that you don't just hire in this one tiny image because that one tiny image doesn't reflect where the technology is being used, doesn't reflect the harm that technology can do. And I think when we narrow down in on, on women from underrepresented groups, I think it's that even more so. These are women who, you know, they're, a, they're part of a global majority, but historically have been overlooked in are the way we perceive reality, right? The, the the black woman is invisible in so many different spaces, even though we are we are there. Why wouldn't we be technical? But you know, if we look across those underrepresented groups, women with disabilities, like there's, there, you know, it's only one. There are nine protected characteristics in the Equalities Act in the UK, and this varies kind of across the world. But there are nine here, so you can be a woman and eight other things, right? And yeah, it's like no woman, the woman, the one woman. Like you speak on behalf of all women, and so I think. The issue is that if you're not considered to even be part of the team that creates that technology, how can we be arrogant enough to assume that you'll be considered in the users of that technology or the implications of that technology being used? And with the fact that it's so ubiquitous, it's being used everywhere, it's being made, you know, used to make decisions to restrict, to rate, to recommend, to review, like all these different places we're now using technology in this fourth industrial revolution means that now that opportunity to be underrepresented and to be forgotten is being scaled up, right? We used to do it analog as humans, and now we're training the computers to do it en masse. So I think that's the issue. That's the problem. And I think it's that lack of, there's a lack of respect and there's there's a narrow vision or narrow definition of excellence. And that is what is getting in the way. 
for women in tech and particularly women underrepresented groups? I would say first thing, just get started. And second thing, find a good community. So whether that's, you know, joining courses like Code First Girls, you have organizations like Founders and Coders, the Institute of Coding, which actually has an umbrella organization, but they bring together loads of free courses run by universities, you know, not just university degrees, but actually short courses and stuff as well. So there are loads and loads of organizations out there where you can actually access education. But I think the biggest thing is do so with others if you can, because, you know, I don't know, for a lot of people, myself included, doing something on your own can be really, really lonely. So actually finding people who are going along the same journey as you, who can keep you motivated, who you can meet up with, who you can study with, it's just a really part, important part of that. Um, and then just go and have some conversations, go to meetups, go to events, go to conferences, you know, get to meet some of the other people working in these ecosystems. Because thinking about sort of, you know, feeling like an outsider, you know, how do you stop becoming feeling like an outsider? You start to become an insider, right? And the only way to do that is to start sort of feeling comfortable in those environments. And definitely, you know, it's not about navel gazing. It's not just about, you know, finding a small group and just sticking to it. Understand the industry. So, you know, use that opportunity to kind of explore what is out there and find the place that you're comfortable with and what inspires you. I think the biggest thing is just to actually care about it. And it's one of those things where, you know, we we care about it without having to know all the answers and start that journey, even if you're not perfect. We set targets as, as business leaders on everything, you know, whether that's looking at staff retention, whether that's thinking about our revenues and our profit margins. We don't always know the answers. So, you know, you'll set your, your goal at the beginning of the year and say, okay, we want to reach, you know, X amount of million in revenue this year. And then what you do is you go away and you figure it out. You speak to your leadership team, you speak to your investors, you think about your products, and you reverse engineer what will be a good way for you to actually deliver to that. Thinking about your diversity in a business is the same. You know, you won't know all the answers going in, but don't shy away from setting yourself some targets and then using that as an opportunity to go and explore and find those the right mechanisms for your business and put your money where your mouth is. You know, you don't need a huge amount of it. And I think even for small companies, even for startups, there's an awful lot you can do to actually get support. Um, organizations like Tech Talent Charter, which do sort of peer-to-peer sort of company-to-company support and, and offer sort of advice from others going on the same journey are great places to start. So uh, don't be worried about making a start even if you're not very good at it. So there's quite a few things. I mean, there's, you want to kind of, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? So you want to take in, like, what are different forms of excellence? Where are the different places that I can be hiring people from? What are the different, and people talk about, like, you don't want to lower the bar. It's like, okay, but what, where, where did that bar come from in the first place, right? So what are the different bars that you want to apply to bring people in? And is it just one door that you need to have coming into your organization? Or do you need four, five, six different doors, different routes for people to access where if they didn't choose computer science as a 13-year-old, because that's essentially kind of what we ask of people at the moment. And I mean, when you're 13, how, how are we even making decisions anyway? You know, if someone didn't, didn't do that, then what are the alternate routes that you can have to look for that excellence and look for difference? So whether it's reading something like Invisible Women to kind of understand a little bit more about the, these women who have been invisible and how you can kind of counter your lifelong training to ensure you see the women that are around you that have the value, whether it's watching things like Coded Bias to be able to understand, you know, why this is an important thing for you to do in technology. And and again, see those, you know, we talk about role models so much for young people and for girls, but no, you need to see the role models of, okay, what's the new data set I can bring in to pattern match against to then make these right hires and, and do these things correctly. But I think it's also, you know, this shouldn't just be a work thing. I speak so much to audiences about, you know, having a balanced diet, not just at work and in your hiring decisions, but in your life and 
the media that you consume and the way that you spend your money and the way that you select suppliers and where you buy things, the way that you make decisions, you know, if it's Black Ballad or, you know, what are the different spaces that you can go to to buy things differently, take information, read the news from a different perspective and understand difference. So then you can value it and you can say, okay, cool. just because that person didn't go to Oxbridge or just because that person isn't a gamer, like, how is that, you know, the real question, like, that we have. So just because those people haven't done those things doesn't mean just because that person's loud or just because that person was a dancer doesn't mean that there's nothing that they can apply in this cyber context or in whatever you're hiring. So I think it's just seeking difference, looking for difference, embracing difference, celebrating difference, and building for difference is what you need to be consciously doing. And the final thing I'll say on that is a hiring manager, a manager, an employee, CEO, whoever it is, everyone has a sphere of influence. And the culture is the average of all of our actions. So every time you make a decision, every time you have an interaction, every time you click on something, every time you respond, every time, a bit like spell check, right? Every time you write a document, you're spell checking. How are you checking for that difference or checking for that, you know, belonging to different types of people every time you make a decision, every time you're in that promotion round, every time you're in a meeting and asking someone for their opinion, how do you make sure that you're continuously going for difference and you're kind of building this muscle so then when you come to hiring, it's not the first time that you're like, oh my goodness, now I have to consider someone who is Indian. How am I going to do this? How do I approach them? What do I say to, you know, if you've, if you've spoken to the, the people you already have, then it's not going to be a new thing, right? So yeah, build the muscle. I can't thank Amali and Amory enough for all of the mentorship and inspiration that they've shared with us in these episodes. If you're looking to get into tech, I really hope that this mini episode has helped you. We also have left links to the full episodes in the show notes for even more mentorship and inspiration from Amali and Anne-Marie. If you're currently on the job hunt or thinking about a change, please make sure you get in touch with the JBM team at info at jbmc.co.uk as we would also love to help you on your journey into tech or landing your next dream role. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help. That's everything for today, but I hope I'll see you again next Wednesday for another dose of pocket-sized mentorship. <laughs>